The world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. And secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv slash patreon. journey of Conversations on the Fringe. All right, here we go. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. My name is Josh and welcome to the Red Pill Project's Conversations on the Fringe. This is where we have those conversations that are outside of the normal purview, something that is typically reserved for uh, drinks with friends or campfires or that uh, that strange and fringy conversation that people typically have after knowing each other for a long time. And we like to take that conversation and expand it out and talk about all different types of things. And tonight that conversation is centered on astromythic archetypes. I, I actually love the name of this. We're going to be talking to our good friend, Laura Lee Scaife. Laura Lee, how are you? Well, I'm doing pretty good, all things considered, Josh. How about you? <laughs> I, I'm doing, I'm doing actually like phenomenal, but like, mm -hmm. I, I, I've talked to you about like optimization theory. So yes. they're going through like this energy mm -hmm. transition. They, they have, are getting rid of the old stuff. They're reconfiguring and, right. and they're building something new that the process in between is chaos. Yeah. Metamorphosis. And, that's right. I'm going through that chaos right now, but it's mm. brilliant because mm -hmm. I'm able to recognize each step of the chaos. I'm I'm able to look at the chaos and make sense of it. I'm, I'm mm. able to look at it and understand it 
and, and not be scared yeah. or in fear of it or or let it affect me um you know through the the realm of of causation but yeah. instead be above it and understand what's mm -hmm. happening yeah observing the chaos rather than just being thrashed around in it yeah yeah so, so pretty well, good and, so far <laughs> mm -hmm. well get ready because coming up uh probably already but within the next few hours uranus um is the last of the planets to go into direct motion mm. so since october all five of the outer planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto were retrograde. So what retrograde means is that from our vantage point at Earth, it appears as if the planets are moving backwards in their orbits. Yeah. Obviously, that's not the case. But what it symbolizes is that the brakes have been put on in terms of how fast these planets are moving along in their, in their cycles and they they all slow down slow down almost to a stop at some point and then they move direct again into direct motion so they back up and then stop and then move forward so it's unusual in any case to have all five of the outer planets retrograde meaning they're slowing down that was in october even even though so much stuff happened in October. But now, in the next few hours, Uranus will go direct and all the planets are now in direct motion. That mm. means gas. That means step on the gas. Things are, are moving quick now, or will be. And of course, the big news is Pluto going into uh, Aquarius. Um, right after the sun goes into Aquarius. So we had a sun-Pluto conjunction in Aquarius. Um, and there's all the talk, of course, about the Aquarian age and we're a dawning of the age of Aquarius and this and that. And um, I don't think that event took place in the 1960s. I think it's happening now. I agree. At least in an archetypal sense, meaning that this is really the the Promethean spirit um, erupting kind of once and for all. But there will be a little backtrack. And that is going to start in September. So we've got Pluto now in Aquarius, um, but it's going to stop and go retrograde, meaning start, stop and start moving backwards. Mm -hmm. That starts in in um, May first, looks like, and then it's going to continue to back up it back into Capricorn again, okay. the last degree of Capricorn. That'll be on September first. So that means the last finishing up of the cleaning up the debris of the whole process of Pluto being in Capricorn. Capricorn rules the economic, political, and social structures of the world. So Pluto, having <clears throat> been moving through Capricorn, has been about the business of either transforming radically, i.e. metamorphosis, mm -hmm. or just 
clearing away the old dead stuff and the collapsing i mean the structures are collapsing all around us and so that's been going on but this this event right now what's happening right now these planets going into direct motion bursting you know pluto bursting into aquarius basically the same day the sun goes into aquarius the sun sheds light and so this is like the reignition of the Promethean spirit. And that spark was lit on the winter solstice of 2020. I was just about to talk about that. That's right. Mm -hmm. So there's a few things I want to do here. Now we have a lot of new subscribers out there. So I want to, mm -hmm. in a minute, I want to give you, I want you to give your, um, your background a little bit and kind of maybe an overview of what okay. we're really talking about. Because people are like, oh my God, are we talking about like, you know, stars and scurrying and all this stuff. And yes, but no. And it's mm -hmm. so much more integrated in depth, psychological archetypical it's right. internal to yourself of what's really happening here and uh, laura lee is probably one of the best people in the world to explain that to people um but i did want to touch on the age of aquarius real quick mm -hmm. now you're talking about the grand conjunction that happened on the winter solstice december 21st 2020 this is where jupiter and saturn came together yeah um, this was a phenomenal astrological event that mm -hmm. only happens i think every 648 years the last time it happened nostradamus was actually mm -hmm. alive um, so it happens well, it, three times. Oh, go ahead. Uh, it was 800 years since it was visible, right? So mm. we were able to see the exact conjunction um, on the winter solstice 2020, but right. it had not been visible um, for 800 years. Wow. And, yeah. and on top of that, it only happens three times in a processional cycle. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so there was something interesting that also happened in 2021 leading up mm -hmm. to uh right after this mm -hmm. and number one it was two events that took place in egypt and oh. nobody talked about this no i don't know for, about this for me okay um i talked about this on my shows now number one was the pharaoh's the pharaoh's golden parade what? this is oh you, okay so there's two things here when when in 2021 this, this was the third of april 2021 okay Okay. Mm -hmm. So this was the Pharaoh's golden parade. This is where they, so do you remember the new kingdom of ancient Egypt? So, mm -hmm. um, Amatopetap the third, uh, Ramsey, all these, these, oh. this was the mm -hmm. new kingdom. So these were oh, the okay. ones within the Piscean processional cycle. So mm -hmm. they're the ones that ruled within the Pisces, the age of Pisces. Okay. okay. No, oh, it is wow. the new kingdom of ancient Egypt. Mm. Well, the Pharaoh's golden parade took all of their, um, um, their mummies and their their um, their caskets and everything, and laid them arrest and moved them to Cairo to the museum. Oh wow! So they moved out the new old kingdom of Egypt. Important mm. there. Wow. Then yeah. what happens? And this is where it really gets crazy. On November twenty six, two thousand twenty one. Egypt reopened the three thousand year old Avenue of the Sphinxes. In Grand wow. Blitzy Luxor Ceremony. Now, people are wondering what this is. It's called the King's or the Path of God or the King's Road. Okay. It's a mm -hmm. 1.7 mile long road from Karnak to Luxor. Mm -hmm. Okay. And on this day, November 26th, they did this grand ceremony reopening the road for the first time. 
in about I would say three. Th they say it's three thousand year old road, but I say it's about the first time that this road has ever had anything like this on it. In about wow. two thousand one hundred and sixty years. Now, Amazing. the importance of the road. Number one is the Temple of Luxor and the uh, and Karnak. These are very two very important temples. That if you watch the sunrise, number one at Luxor, uh, Lux being light sun on the summer solstice. Okay, mm -hmm. it rises towards the center of Luxor, right directly mm. over the center. Now at Karnak, right, and Karnak is the old Thebes, mm. right. It on the winter solstice, guess where the sun rises, right in the middle of the temple. So you kind of have this transitional shift of the wow. winter solstice to the summer solstice, or mm. the mm. the rebirth of the sun moving to its high point in the sky. Now, what's interesting is, is Thebes used to be reminiscent of the god Osiris, mm -hmm. right? So you have all the symbology that arises with Osiris. Now, people know mm -hmm. the mythological story of Osiris. He was killed by his brother Set. He was mm -hmm. chopped up into tons of different pieces, about 14 mm -hmm. through one point of mythology. Uh, this is missing one piece, so there's 13 pieces. This is where you get 13 in, in uh, mythology, um, at least in the Egyptian traditions um now with osiris it's the rebirth or the uh the resurrection of osiris is where a lot of mythology has arisen from yeah. so horus would have been the rebirth the resurrection of osiris even though he lived one day he got his sister pregnant his sister wife pregnant nine months later she gave birth to his resurrection which was horus mm -hmm. and so the road Luxor to um, um, Karnak is 1.7 miles long. Well, that's kind of interesting because if you look at the Orion constellation, the Cirrus star, which is the dog star, which is reminiscent mm -hmm. of that family lineage of Osiris and of Isis, mm. is has a 1.7 degree declination Wow! from the middle of the belt of the Orion constellation. Mm. 17 is a very, very important number when pertaining to Osiris. Now, the reopening of that road, I believe this is the elites and their religion, was yeah. the ushering in of the age of Aquarius. Mm. The reopening they had first, they put the new kingdom to rest. They moved the new kingdom out of ancient Egypt, gave them a parade and put them to rest. Then about nine months later, they had a new parade reopening the king's road the path of god and doing the transit from the path of god from the winter solstice to the summer solstice to the high point ushering in the new age wow that's amazing i didn't know any of this i'm not as <laughs> yeah. familiar with egyptian mythology either um as you are i mean i know sort of the basics but that's incredible i'm gonna have to look into that more i have to look at how this shows up in the chart of Egypt. i will send you the information it's, it's yeah it's please cool. do mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah but so yeah so when i look at we're in the age of aquarius i 100 agree that we have entered that age of aquarius and you take those two events mm -hmm. and right before those two events you have the grand conjunction that happens like yeah. we were just talking about you know you get to see it maybe one time in a processional cycle it yeah. not only does it happen it happens on the winter solstice yeah i mean right <sighs> right like within hours and mm -hmm. exact at zero degrees Aquarius, yep. where Pluto now is operating. 
and sticking its, you know, letting us know, hey, I'm here. And but it's going to back up starting September the 1st and do some really big cleanup work. And it will still be doing cleanup work um, during the election. So that's another big thing that's uh, obviously coming up. And Pluto then re-enters Aquarius for the duration. That's till uh, 2043. Re-enters on November, November the 20th. And then mm. the next day, the sun goes into Sagittarius. So um, that should be a pretty interesting time. <laughs> <laughs> Man, to have so, an election going on when yeah. all of that is happening, uh, that's why. Well, everything's going on. And and uh, like we were just saying is that the last time that you had these type of astrological alignments, uh, Pluto, for instance, entering Aquarius and all this stuff was yep. 1776 in the French Revolution and, and around yeah. that time. Uh, I, I want you to tell a little bit of people about your background okay. and then a little bit about kind of your perspective on mm -hmm. the topic that we're talking about, really how it relates to people. Because yeah. I, I know a lot of people out there, they'll say, oh, you know, this is, uh, you know, the art of the evildoers and demons and Satan and everything like this. And mm -hmm. what they don't realize and understand is that um, you, you can't make this shit up. It's real. It affects your life, whether you care about it or not. Um, it's not evil. It's a tool. That's but right. it, it's a tool that can be utilized by evil people to That's definitely right. take advantage of you. So, and I, they do. Yep. Mm -hmm. So the floor is yours, background, and a little bit about astrology. Okay. Well, wow. Um, well, I began studying astrology in 1978. And uh, shortly after that, a couple of years after that, I became aware of Carl Jung via an astrologer by the name of Liz Green, who has... Um, a school of astrology in London, England. She's a Jungian analyst. And she wrote a number of books uh, basically putting together astrology and Jungian psychology by using the myths that are associated with all the planets. So to, to just to say a little bit about astrology and how and why it works. First of all, it, it's not voodoo it's not um you know prophesizing or reading the future i mean obviously people use that tool to do that or pretend to do that it but as you say it's like any other tool any other mm -hmm. tool that we have available um is there for us to learn how to use it and but the forces of evil know full well about all of these tools and have been using them for thousands of years and obviously have uh, put a lot of energy into preventing the rest of us from really discovering this and beginning to use these tools and uh, in order to help ourselves and humanity at large so the um, study of astrology really began as soon as humans became conscious enough to notice that there were these lights moving in the sky. So we're talking 100,000 some odd years ago. Uh, 
mm-hmm. that that dawning of awareness that oh wow what, what's that white thing that floats across the sky and why does it disappear and why does it come back so so that began astrology because eventually people began to correlate that when certain lights appeared in the sky it corresponded to things that were happening on the ground say for example mars mars became the god of war because it tended to be associated with war going on or conflict the people would notice oh there's that red planet again and lo and behold we're getting into trouble so eventually this information was uh shared first in stories and then astrologers began to learn how to measure these things and so this has been going on for thousands of years and every culture has a system of astrology that looks at the stars looks at the sky and projects onto the sky what is happening in the psyche so the planets aren't sending out some kind of you know magical rays that make you do stuff i mean yes we are embedded in a an electromagnetic um universe and sure we are impacted uh, on that level by the planets in our solar system and so on but as far as our behavior and the way we live as human beings that comes from within so people began to project things that were going on inside themselves onto the stars and through that they learned how to deal with the things that were going on inside and that's the benefit of learning about astrology because it's all about the gods and goddesses and gods and goddesses are archetypes that is patterns of expression natural to all humans everywhere so the an archetype is really the psyche's version in image form of a biological instinct so let's use mars again mars it represents in in these stories the god of war well mars in in the psyche or in our personal life is associated with anger feelings of anger terror and grief so it corresponds to the uh what i call the cortisol circuit Mm. mars rules the adrenals and it's connected to the fight flight freeze so when ancient people had something scary or where they had to fight uh, or run away they developed stories in order to teach their people and their children look you know when you have this feeling here's what you do right so just think of it that way It, it astrology is in a sense a psychological operating manual mm-hmm. and when you can construct horoscopes what you see is a story of someone's personal life based on these mythological archetypal characters dressed in costumes that 
correspond to where we are now. But the, they're still the same forces of nature. In other words, Mars is the god of war, meaning a symbolic expression in human form of the emotions of terror, rage, and grief, and aggression, mm. and violence, and that sort of thing. Just as Venus is the goddess of love. So Venus represents the opposite or the counterpart to Mars. The goddess of love and beauty and harmony, um, caring and compassion. So when we need to learn about how to do that, well, we look at understanding Venus. And then from an astrological point of view, you look at what sign the planet is placed in. So each of the planets represents um, a natural primal expression of what it means to be a human. And in your personal chart, the sign the planet is placed in will help you understand how that particular archetypal character acts in your own personal story. Mm. So the idea is to become the director of your own play. So you don't write the play. It's as if at the moment of your birth, you are given a script, a cast of characters, and your job is to be the best possible director of that story with that cast of characters. And so we grow up through our life, both, both chronologically and physically, to become, or ideally, to become better and better directors of our own play but in order to do that we have to understand who our characters are and what is the essence of the story because ultimately we have to serve the story and ensure that all the characters are allowed on the stage and attaining you know psychological maturity means that you come to a place in your life where you are able to be a good director and no longer sort of taking over and saying, well, you know, I'm the one who knows the best thing to do and I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And then things don't ha happen or there's cat catastrophes. And then one realizes that, oh, um, I didn't write this story. <laughs> there is There is a higher self or a divine source that this comes from in the first place. And our job as humans and as um, the, the process of developing a strong, functioning, mature ego, that's what it means to be a wise director of your own play. It, it's important that we understand the, the psychological meaning of ego because I hear a lot uh, that this idea that ego is bad, you need to right. get rid of your ego. And the truth is, you don't want to get rid of your ego. Because if you do, you become psychotic. The ego's job is to mediate the contents of the unconscious into conscious life. You don't just remove the director of the play and let all the characters just run around doing whatever they want. Um, 
so it's really important to understand that psychological maturity means having a good, strong functioning ego. That way you can manage your primal urges and navigate in such a way that you understand what's happening on the inside and you have a sense of what is the, the story that you're serving. In other words, what is your vocatio, your highest calling? So did you want to say something? Oh, I said vocatio. I, I love that word. I remember you used that a lot <laughs> last time. Um, yeah. Your no, I mean, that vocation. was, yeah, your higher vocation. And, and uh, man, you just, you just dumped it out on there. And that was awesome. Uh, right. I was like trying to think of ways to kind of say it, but I'm like, no, she, she just nailed it. So um, thank well, you for and maybe that. Maybe I might but, add also that once I got into studying mythology and then came across obviously Joseph Campbell and I was very inspired by Joseph Campbell and also something that I learned early on that both Joseph Campbell and Carl Jung uh, said was that myth is to a culture what dreams are to the individual. Mm. And I thought, wow, really? Yeah, like really? And so I began thinking about, well, how? what is the myth of our time? You know, we have the Greek myths and and rich mythologies in other cultures, but what about the myth of the men of the West, the modern men of the West? What, where's that? So I began just thinking about that a lot, and when I saw the Fellowship of the Ring in September, December of 2001, I knew that that was the myth for our time. So since then, I've been working on a project, an ongoing project, uh, studying the Lord of the Rings as the myth for our time. And I continue to do that because I think it is the myth for our time. And it's uh, validated almost on a daily basis in terms of things that are happening right now in the world. Well, and that's one of the crazy things because this world is going through some massive transition right now. Yeah. Whoa. And uh, you said uh, we had a, what? Just a full, did we just have a full moon in Leo? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And this was the follow-up from the Aquarius full moon on August 1st, correct? That's right. Yeah. Now, what what's the significance of that? Well, the lunation cycles are very important. Uh, for one thing, it's something that we can observe directly, and it links us to our bodies and to our relationship to the larger cosmos. The, the thing that I find really kind of scary is that there's a lot of people who don't even notice the, the moon, the new moon, mm. full moon, right. are oblivious. Even when there's a blazing full moon out there, a, a lot, especially living in cities where it's, you know, you got hot, tall buildings and uh, hard to see the sky and a lot of artificial light. But it's really important 
on on an emotional level and on a psychological level to align with the lunation cycles mm. and and so the the moon is full and new in every sign so for example why is this past um full moon on the that was on the 25th yep why is it linked to the Aquarius full moon because it's in opposition. So the moon is full in the sign opposite where the sun is. So mm. the sun is going through Leo in August. Therefore, the moon is full in Aquarius and new in Leo. Then six months later, it's the other way around. Right. So we just had the moon full in Leo this time, and then the moon will be new in Aquarius on the 9th of February. So when you follow these cycles, you'll notice that there's a connection. And the whole point of following these cycles is to notice and be aware that we are living through these cycles constantly. And when you can connect just in your own personal life, the new moon is a new beginning. That's all you need to know. Oh, hmm. new moon today, new begin. Okay, what do I want to set in motion? What do I want to consciously decide that I'm going to set in motion? And it's a good idea to jot that down, you know, in your journal or something. And then you just sit with that, observe what happens as the moon waxes. And Observing the waxing moon, I think, is a, it's an amazing thing. It's, and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So for no, if no other reason, just do that. It's inspiring and amazing and miraculous. So the seed planted on the new moon is what comes to fullness on the full moon. And it sheds light on what, you, what seed you planted see so would you say that the moon is, has the biggest astrological influence over human beings um well each of the planets rules over specific components of the psyche the moon deals with the emotional realm and uh the moon is associated with mother and the primal nurturing and nourishing instincts moon also pertains to house home family ancestors mm -hmm. so the these cycles of the moon monthly cycles of the moon are there to keep us connected to those important things hmm. of course there's lots of other things going on at the same time, which is why understanding astrology is important, because we certainly can't just live by the moon, um, because the, that's just basic survival. The moon is, how do I get enough to eat and hide from danger? <laughs> right. That's basically it. And reproduce, you know, bring forth new things. So, you, you know, I, and I, I think we're, you know, there's a few things we could talk about tonight, patterns, cosmic cycles, mm. but, but one thing that really 
kind of got me today. And, and I notice these things all the time. And I, I, I studied them for a long time. And then you forget things and you see them again. You're like, I need to start researching that again. And it was this little math thing of how we've all been deceived. Mm. Now, how many months are in a year? 12 months in a year, right? Well, how many weeks are in a year? 52. How many weeks are in a month? Four. Four times 12 is 48. And so when you look at it, there's four extra weeks in that year that are missing. As in, there's another month that is missing. Now, does that have a profound effect on us that they, if we want to call it like that, have have changed that perceptional cycle of time? Yeah, I think it does. And, and I think it's by design. I don't I think agree. it's an accident. Just like the tool of astrology has been usurped. And, uh, and also through certainly since the well it, it kind of came out in the 1960s that's when everybody was discovering oh astrology wow um but then it got taken over and and basically turned into something stupid and ridiculous and so the a lot of what opened up there in terms of the possibilities of studying you know this science and art that has been around for thousands of years it, it kind of got crushed you know oh that's just you know the horoscopes you read in the newspaper that's what i thought mm -hmm. um until i started taking classes and learning about it um so since then it's been erased basically from any sort of scientific examination, you know, other than certainly not in the mainstream, right? Yeah. And same with astrology, just the psychological astrology is very evolved and developed, like Liz Green School, and, you know, it's widely used in a very positive way um, for helping people understand themselves and the world. So, but it certainly isn't acknowledged, right? Yeah. So we're going through some massive uh, changes in the world. And, and I'd like to maybe talk about that. We have Donald mm -hmm. Trump, who is, um, it, it's kind of interesting because yeah. we had this, uh, this, this lawsuit decision that came out, 86 million, obviously he's going to appeal it. But if we look at what happened, Iowa, New Hampshire, winning, yep. winning, South Carolina, everything that's happening right now for Donald Trump and the things that are coming down in the news, uh, the states taking back control and going to the border, mm -hmm. it, it's like things are starting to work themselves out. Mm -hmm. And Donald Trump is once again rising to his kingship. What are your yep. thoughts on all this? Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> first of all, Donald Trump is carrying for the people the archetype of the warrior king. Now, whether he is that or will become that remains to be seen. The point is that there is a need within the culture within the men of the West to awaken the warrior king. And that is something 
that I, I would say is happening, or at least the potential is there in every man. And that in order to have some kind of a role model of how, how is that actually done, the people will project that idea or that image or that potential onto someone who comes into a place of authority or potential kingship. Mm-hmm. But that whoever that is, they have to be able to hold the archetype, right? Like who would think of, say, for example, Joe Biden as the archetype of the warrior king? <laughs> okay. It just I, it I, I can't I can't find one person. It wouldn't stick. But what what makes Donald Trump a likely candidate is that he's born, first of all, he's born on a lunar eclipse. He has actually one of the most amazing charts I've ever seen. And he's Leo rising. Mars is on the ascendant in Leo. Mars is at 26 degrees. The ascendant is 28 degrees. 28 degrees Leo is the fixed star Regulus. Regulus is known as the the star of the king. And ancient astrologers who were working in the courts of the kings and queens, they would be looking for something like that. That's why it's called Regulus. It is because that's how they determined who would be king. So just at this time in human history, who appears on the scene, someone like Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And this is his second round. Okay. So he, he came on to the scene in 2015-16 um, under a Uranus-Pluto square, which is also very interesting, but we'll leave that aside for the moment. In any case, if you think of um, the Lord of the Rings, Theoden is, I would say, Donald Trump is kind of like Theoden. He sort of failed first time around. Mm-hmm. But it was Aragorn who called him to his kingship in the end. And he, mm. he died having fulfilled his kingship and served his ancestors. So what this says to me is that this king archetype that Aragorn symbolizes in that story, can that be awakened in Donald Trump, the living human being? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that that archetype can be awakened in the spirit of the men of the West. And I see it happening. Certainly in you, a man of kingly stature, David Whitehead, Mm -hmm. I I mean, a lot of men like you who are stepping up and coming on to the scene. And you know what I just heard recently? You may know of this this man, um, Doc Chambers. He's a ex-military guy, Marine or something like that. Doc Chambers. Anyway, he is organizing a convoy to go to the southern border. 
Now, this yeah. reminds me a lot of the Freedom Convoy that happened in Canada. So this has just been in the last maybe few days. Just yeah, right we talked about it last night. And, and okay, it, it's also reminiscent of you know what's happening in Paris and Germany it and is. what was happening yep. during the summer in the Netherlands and yep. uh, what's I mean specifically what's happening right now. It's yeah, the people have awakened. The archetype yeah, I believe has been right. awakened. The it, king, it's, it's, yes, yeah, mm -hmm. and it's happened because the borders and boundaries have collapsed. Oh, that's the equivalent. So what I was saying about the, the ego structure is what prevents eruption of primal, unfettered, undomesticated emotional complexes represented in mythology by the goddess Eris, who's basically a shit disturber wherever she goes. And it, but she she symbolizes the eruption of these primal energies when there's no structures in place to keep civilized society going. When those mm -hmm. structures collapse, which they have done under the evolving process that began in January of 2020, the gradual collapsing of even down to our basic civil interaction with other people, mm -hmm. the way etiquette um, and the sort of basic rules of how people get along, that has just been thrown into chaos over the last three years. So that sets the stage then for the breaking down of borders and boundaries and the containers that keep society and civilization functioning. Now, this invasion thing has been going on for a long time. And it started in Europe, uh, what, about five or no, more than that, about eight yeah. years ago, really. When I saw that going on, I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> that'll be here soon. And now here we are. But it has awakened the king archetype. And so the men of the West are rising. And that's, that wave it is going to move through the culture. And the Lord of the Rings, the whole story about the whole story of Lord of the Rings is about this. About, 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 about what's happening rising. right now. Yeah. What right huh. now we're at the battle at the black gate Ooh. that we are faced with an enemy that is coming for us all every living thing, all that is green and good in this world. And the people are having to stand shoulder to shoulder, overcoming the little squabbles and who's this and who's that, to stand together to basically stop the invasion that that is not, it's not these people as individuals, it's like They've been weaponized, yeah, by this thing that is preying on us. It's now use it now uses people as weapons, right? And, and I, I want to kind of go into this just a little bit for these people in the audience here. Uh, mm -hmm. And a lot of people are a great interview, and I'm loving this. One of our last shows, we talked about Eris and the effects mm -hmm. of Eris. 
Um, in September, um, we had some private conversations. I think we did a show during that time as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said on the show, I said, well, watch out. Something's going to happen between this time frame. And it was the, the, um, the autumn equinox. It was Mm -hmm. the the 22nd between 22nd and October 17th. I said, watch out something big. And I reiterated the whole week on my shows. Mm -hmm. And then on October 7th, you have Gaza and Israel Mm -hmm. break out. That's right. And it's like, oh my God, like this is real. Like these mm-hmm. people time these things specifically for mm-hmm. these types of astrological events. And, and it's completely mind blowing. Now, mm-hmm. with that, which I find interesting because Pluto is moving into Aquarius, right? Mm-hmm. And you're just talking about Uranus that is moving, um, it is going from that standstill. So out of the retrograde from the standstill mm-hmm. and moving again. And what happened to that whole event? Well, Netanyahu just came and said, we're ending that whole campaign. It's over and done with. And now they're starting on another sequence. What? Neptune, or I mean, uh, Netanyahu just said this? He said it two days ago. Yeah, two, three days ago. He said that they're they're, they're wrapping up the Gaza campaign. They're basically done with it. And uh, they're going to expand out to Yemen and Syria and stuff like that. But Gaza, they, they, they said mission accomplished. Jeez. Okay. But but That's but like really in the context of what we're talking yeah. about here, yeah, mm-hmm. it, right. it's like Netanyahu's looking at his astrological calendar and okay, this, this is a good day here, and uh-huh. then I'll announce this here, and then we'll yep. start this here. Yeah, it just it, it's mind blowing. And then yeah, even on an individual level, and I'm, I don't want to get into my personal conversations with everybody out there. But you and I have had a lot of personal conversations about this, mm-hmm. and this last year. I've been 100% completely blown away by the things that you've told me in the sense of my astrological charts and all these types of things. Mm -hmm. And then the correlation of those actual events and the happenings and the synchronicities Mm -hmm. and just how it unfolded. And I'll tell you, because it made me wiser. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it goes back to what I was, yeah, it was, it goes back to the thing I talked about earlier is that, you know, I'm able to, to transit the chaos. I mean, yeah. chaos and understand it and like, yeah, cool. You know, we're, we're, you know, this is moving out and this is moving in. Cause that's when we get back to the end of the day, everything is an exchange of energy. Energy is yeah. flowing in or flowing out and you have right. good polarity and you have negative polarity, positive polarity, negative polarity. You have giving and taking it's all this flow. And so when we watch the chaos happen, you know, it's like, this is the old saying that grandma used to say, oh, don't worry about losing that friend. God is just making room for good people to come into your life. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the truth of the matter is that it is. They, things are moving out because there has to be room for something else to move in. And, you know, I think that we're, we have a certain direction, as you were saying in our play, right? Um, a certain direction of what comes in is that we have tracked so much so um, what can come in. Is yeah. that, you know, if that uh, that play, that script wants to take a different polarization, we can attract that to ourselves. So we have to be conscious of this. We have to be cognizant of what the flow is of those energies and how they come in and out. But yeah. I, I've just been mind blown by um, not, be, not being taken off guard by any of these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But just like understanding, like, okay, I can expect something during this time thing. And then people go, was it your, your expectation of ex, you know, of expecting it that caused it to happen? And I'm like, no, 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 it's not because, you know, 
even if it was, it doesn't matter. Yeah, because, that's right. It doesn't matter because the whole point is becoming conscious. Yeah. It's like the the old hermetic axioms, right? Is rise above the laws of the lesser world and vibrate on the laws of the higher. And when you truly understand what that means, it, it means, you know, understanding the patterns and the cycles of around you, of how mm -hmm. things move and how energy operates. And when you see that and understand that, my goodness, your your life it makes more sense. Yeah. And you're why the director of your own story. Yeah. You become like the observer of your story and your cast of characters. And then when you know the astrological dynamics, then you can look and say, oh, okay, mm, there's going to be some challenges between this character and that character coming up. So how do you then, as the director of the play, negotiate mm -hmm. with those parts of yourself? Just let's use for an example, Mars and Saturn. I mean, Mars, it's easy to get in touch with Mars, right? It's fight, flight, freeze anger, you know, terror, rage, and grief. So those, they're the big feelings. So if something is showing up, say in your personal chart, where Saturn is coming in to make a challenge to Mars, then you know that, okay, I'm, I'm needing to apply some discipline. Saturn is discipline, focus, form, and structure. I need to learn how to focus structure and direct my Mars energy rather than having it just explode all over the place and blow things up. So when you have a sense of your cast of characters and you get to a point where you have that sort of driver's seat, like, okay, this is my story. Here's where I'm going. And I need to manage these cast of characters and learn how to really get the best of the positive, creative, supportive dynamics, because then you can use those to work on the more challenging aspects of yourself. And we all mm. got that. But we need to learn how to creatively deal with our challenges, whatever they are. And that creativity yeah. part is really important. Because it's another factor in the way the foe have um, controlled us is by separating us humans from our relationship with the divine that mm. happens in the imagination. In the realm of the imagination is where God lives or the goddess or whatever you want to call that. The source of divine inspiration comes from that realm. So that is the second time that I've heard someone say almost exactly that same thing. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, is you won't find that written in very many books. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was listening to a podcast with uh, uh, Grandmaster Wolf. I don't know if you've ever seen this guy. Mm -hmm. He was, um, when he was 15, he moved to Tibet. He went from Australia, was in and out of boys' homes, orphanages, just a troubled child, uh, you know, started boxing and his, his teacher's like, I can't help you, but let me send you someplace I can help you. And they sent him to Tibet. He had the story wow. where he, he waited outside and, you know, for weeks and until they finally let him in. And then he was there when the Chinese stormed 
in Tibet. Mm. And then he went to um, some temples in China and he, he was there for like 20 years. And um, he learned the ways of, of all these ancient masters. And um, I would say that the guy was, you know, BS, but you, you watch him, you listen wow. to him. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And, um, he has the life. He has mm. the, the validation of it. Um, he actually, you know, Dean Radin, Dr. Dean Radin. Yeah. Dr. Dean Radin did a show with him. Uh, is that few, right? Uh, yeah. A few months ago. Oh. And because one of the things that he does is he has special gifts. So yeah. one, some of the things that he's learned is how to levitate objects, move objects. He mm -hmm. does this one where he blows up a balloon, a balloon inside two other balloons. And like he does it with his chi and his mind. It's phenomenal. Yeah. But uh -huh. the guy's practiced his whole life. But he said one thing that one day and it just blew my mind. Mm. And he goes, uh, he was on a podcast and the person asked, you know, uh, you know, Grandmaster Wolf, how, how do I open my third eye? And he goes, look, man, your third eye is already open. He goes, close your eyes. Do you see your imagination? Do you see your thoughts? Do you see colors and characters? Your third eye is your thoughts, your imagination. It is that whole world. Yeah. The problem is you just don't know how to use it. And oh, I was like, go. whoa. That's like, right. But then you just nailed it as well. It's like, you know, the divine is inside your imagination. Yeah. You know, Jesus said, you know, the, the, the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. Mm -hmm. it's, it's right there. And Neptune and Pisces rule the pineal gland. Neptune mm -hmm. is now in Pisces. Getting ready. It's towards the end of the sign. Getting ready to move out. And it gets 2026. Saturn is also in Pisces. So Saturn is the teacher so we have an opportunity right now uh, like no other time to to really understand what you just said that we have within us this place mm -hmm. where we can connect to the divine yeah and it it's the neptunian realm that is the realm of the imaginal and it is the realm that the foe are trying to shut down. So we all know there's a war on for our mind. That's been going on for a long time. But the real problem is the war on for our imagination. They're, they, the foe, have been implanting images in the human imagination. Mm-hmm unbeknownst to most of us. I mean, Bernays wrote the book, Propaganda, right? What, in 1920-something. So the, they've been perfecting this for a long time. And now it's to the point where, where they're able to manipulate people to think they're different genders. Yeah. It, it's craziness. Well, in, in that came sanity, the dissolving of the ability to discern reality from fiction. Well, and that is a very, very sacred testament that is being um, voided on, right? Mm -hmm. Because when we look at various different natural laws, the law of gender, the law of the manifestation of gender is one of those sacred uh um, is sacred realms that comes about through the process of the divine. So it's almost, yeah. you know, the manipulation of, of the divine for that very specific reason. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it should be a testament that everybody that the wake up because this is getting very, very serious. And, and to me, it's kind of the, the removal of the soul is when you start at that yep. level, you're starting to 
digress the soul from the body, especially with all the poisons and everything else that we have um, within our society. But, you know, you're just talking about the manipulation and the propaganda. I mean, you just had this new Netflix special, uh, the movie that came out from A24 mm -hmm. Studios, which is Barack Obama's production company yeah. called Le Leave the World Behind. Yeah. And then in March, they come out with the, they didn't say it's part two, but it's the same universe in like the storyline universe called Civil War. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where it starts in Texas. Uh-huh. There you and go. So it's implanting within the yeah. collective conscious, within the psyche. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, that all they have to do is they put a movie out there, 30 million people, 40 million see it. They're all talking about it. So now mm -hmm. it's got exposure of over 100 million people. It's in the 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 zeitgeist. zeitgeist. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. in the zeitgeist. And yeah. now what they do is they align the news narrative yeah. towards that message. Right. And the world begins to unfold in that way. Yeah. It's high level psychological warfare. Yep. The thing is, once you understand psychological warfare and you know what's going on, it's not that hard to unplug from it. Right. Once you know it, it, what you're seeing in these sorts of things, and then we can go into our own imagination. I love the interview you had with Chad. See, he's yeah. a man who wrote the 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 the, um, the bridge children's uh, mythology yeah. yes that was so inspiring that's what what we need to support certainly in children but in our, in ourselves you know it, as adults to to encourage that connection to the divine child yeah. the the imagination and to not allow the bombardment of external images and media to to come into your psyche as much mm -hmm. as possible um we have to build immunity to to that sort of psychological psychic bombardment it, it's the same thing the same idea as the invasion of the borders it, that when borders, boundaries are not strong, then things break through. There's holes and things break in. Yeah. So as individuals, we need to have a good shield so we know the difference between what is propaganda and and you know what is something else so and i yeah go ahead so it, it's interesting too because we just recently saw an example of this um you know we we talk about all this stuff all the time of uh, at least my motto for the red pill project is never believe anything anybody tells you no matter who yeah. they are what what you know what authority they possess or profess unless you can prove it own investigation inquiry through your own volition and I always tell people to have a hypercritical analysis, which is utilized as a filter for information so that you do not exist in the realm of effect, but instead the realm of causation, where the realm of effect is where you're continuously reacting to things in your environment, which are utilized yeah. to manipulate. Yeah. And then everything was fine. And then the Israel Gaza thing happened. Yeah. And I was blown away by how many people out there on the Twitterverse, Facebook, who are all, you know, 
MAGA, Patriots, Republican, yeah. conservative, yeah. and you know, we need truth and transparency, and the government's corrupt and all this stuff, and no more wars. We're all of a sudden putting Israeli Israeli yeah. flags up on their profiles and like we need to make Gaza a parking lot and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm sitting there going, You guys just like that's it. Like, that's the thing that you're supposed to watch out for. Like, yeah. what are you doing? But, but it, here's the thing is it, it does go through, it does filter through sometimes and, and people need to be very, very careful, especially with the world that we're in, because it's a continuous mm. process day in and day out. Well, have you uh, heard of Dr. Michael Nels? His That's book, funny. The in- Indoctrinated Brain. So this man has um, been deep uh, studying this whole, well, he started with um, studying his his um, background is in studying Alzheimer's disease and what, you know, why does that happen and how can we help kind of thing. Um, and then he turned his attention to the aftermath of the whole COVID vaccination and you know the impact that this is having on people's brains there you go yeah this guy's amazing oh i'm gonna have to check this out yeah he's he's been doing interviews all over the place i really encourage people to to dig into him because he said something really amazing i'll just try and um, give it to you in a few words so his his target in his research was the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus is associated with short-term memory. So it's like the people with Alzheimer's and dementia and stuff like that, if the hypothalamus is under attack, let's say, or compromised by, I mean, aluminum and those kinds of toxins, things like that, or just not having any meaning in their life, that's another factor then the hypothalamus begins to deteriorate. But Mm. it turns out that the hypothalamus is the only part of the brain that actually regenerates itself. So that new cells, it's called neurogenesis. And so new cells grow in the hypothalamus uh, uh, during sleep. Hmm. And, And so you have your experiences of the day And then during the night, the hypothalamus, you know, stores it in short-term memory and, okay, yeah, we did that. And that connects with what what we did this time and back in history. And so it basically keeps you connected, your present life experience with your past life experience. So he determined that the um, spike protein and particularly the... uh, I think they call it the the furin receptor or something, a part of that. F-U-R-I-O-N. Yeah, that that has been manipulated, that allows um, the uh, spike protein to enter or pass the blood-brain barrier. So it's able to get into the hypothalamus and um, basically stop the uh, ability of the <sighs> hypothalamus yeah like this is really creepy to um remember the the daily experience and so then the next day you wake up 
and you you're being programmed by what you're being told is happening rather huh. than rem being able to remember what your own experience has been more or less i mean i'm not explaining this very well and i i would just really encourage people to to dig into this so it's, it's kind really of amazing. it's kind of like a biologically induced yeah. um short-term dementia, dementia to where when yeah. your your memory is trying to write to the long-term memory that basically gets very very clouded and can't happen but it opens up the the chalkboard the next day yes. yeah that's that's probably a good it, image yeah yeah I, at least that's what i'm getting i'm gonna have to check this out because this oh, is yeah. fascinating it's mind-blowing yeah um, you know, I think Dr. Lee Merritt might have interviewed him. Oh, okay. Sure. Well, he, he's been, yeah, he's been on the circuit. You know, there's probably yeah. a good half dozen or maybe more interviews with him. Really good interviews. Mel Kay interview was really good. And Mike Adams interviewed him. Really good stuff. Anyway, I think that, that his work is really bringing in another dimension of understanding about why people, so what, what you were just saying, that people will just get on board with whatever the next meme is. Why is that? And uh, this has puzzled me the whole since the COVID. What is it that just, that there seems to be a brick wall with certain things. And I think between um, Dr. Nell's and Matthias Desmet's work on the psychology of totalitarianism, that between the two of them really gives a good, or let's say a better understanding of why some people just go off the deep end and are swept along with the psychological warfare narrative. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and the it, good news is once you know that, like there's things you can do like yeah. to support your brain and be aware, like, whoa, better take care of my old hypothalamus. Frankincense every night and every morning. Yeah. Frankincense. Uh -huh. it, it, yeah. it is a miracle. Frankincense. So yeah. frankincense stimulates that neurogenesis in your brain. And, and there's been medical studies on it that it allows the hypothalamus to um, um, to reinforce itself or rebuild itself 10 oh, times wow. faster and more efficiently. Really? I didn't know that about yeah, frankincense. frankincense. That's why it's attached directly I to memory. I just bought some really yep. high quality and a new aromatherapy thing. So great. <laughs> yeah, I typically I just I do a in the morning, evening, yeah. and you'll throw it on the temples. Um, and I it's good for skin memory. regeneration too, for yep. any kind of skin things. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, people who have had um, been born with, you know, partial brains or brain injuries where brain matter has been removed. Mm -hmm. um, frankincense. Wow. It produces neural regeneration. And it's a huge uh, autoimmune protector. Yep. And, and, it was well frankincense and myrrh, myrrh those were yeah. the yeah brought to the baby jesus apparently but why you know why those um because they uh they would rub the the um frankincense and myrrh on their feet and apparently it prevented plague hmm. interesting yeah a sacred a sacred herb you know a sacred 
plant? Well, you know, it, I, I was talking to a friend about all of this the other day. And I was talking more in the sense of the collective consciousness. So it goes back to the conversation that you and me and David had, um, mm. where we posed a question that there's cycles, galactic cosmic cycles, yeah. happen, right? And those cycles affect obviously our solar system cycles and then our planetary cycles. But then we have this collective consciousness, which engulfs all life within this planet or even in the solar system, if we want to expand it that way. And the question arose during that conversation with you, me, and David was, is the evil in this world, the Bill Gates of the world, the George Soros, the Klaus Schwab, is this something that was pure and undirected? Or was this a, a creation from the collective conscious in response to the inactivity or to the, the inability, the instability? of the life on this planet to not uh, innovate, to not, uh, you know, be more spiritually aligned or all those different things. And I found it just a, such a fascinating thought to think that, yeah. you know, that we have this collective consciousness and it's in it, that it's meant to be in homeostasis, this balance that yeah. flies back and forth. And that, you know, once that balance is undone, then it's yeah. got to go and produce variations of life to counterbalance and bring it back in the balance. Mm -hmm. And then you have to ask yourself, is the Bill Gates, the Klaus Schwab, is this just a manifestation of the collective conscious to mm -hmm. restore the balance, to wake the people up? Hey guys, wake up. It's, you know, this isn't what life is supposed to be like. You're falling for all the tricks in the book. And, yeah. and it's, it's novel to think about it like that. And, and it's hard, I think for a lot of people to kind of grasp that concept, yeah. but, you know, when I when I look at what's happening in this world, and I I, I can go on about that, and it'd be very controversial um, in the sense of those thoughts. But it, I, I tend to think of things like that: is that we're in alignment with all of these cosmic cycles, mm -hmm. and that as a collective consciousness, as like you were saying, on the individual level, we are the director of our own screenplay. And the, the screenplay is dictated by all the moving energies around us. I like to imagine that we're in this great big energetic ocean. Yeah. And, you know, these, these planets are boulders or rocks that are moving through this ocean and producing ripples and waves. Electromagnetic effects. Yeah, electromagnetic forward, but ripples and waves that affect us mm -hmm. in ways and shapes and forms. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, we're the director of that and we can choose how to interact with it, choose how to utilize that energy coming towards That's us right. or, or be affected by it. Yeah. And then on the other side is that we have this collective consciousness, which yeah. is collectively in the same boat. It's in the same ocean. It's mm -hmm. being affected by all that plus higher up level things that are affecting it. Mm -hmm. and, and so it itself is the director mm -hmm. of its own screenplay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so then it brings into that idea of, well, if it needed to balance itself because it realizes that, you know, on a galactic sense that we're moving towards the Northern end of the Orion arm in the Milky way galaxy. And that has a higher density of energy that right. it, it needs to get the consciousness on this planet to a certain point to survive that transition so yep. that it doesn't die off or lose a limb. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And getting through it is not guaranteed necessarily. Right. Agreed However, 
this it's something about this time in human history that's different from all other times and we're, i would say that's because of yeah well yeah and there's never been the possibility to communicate this way you know mm. i would never meet you in a million years if, yeah. if it weren't for this right and and all the other people who are in this virtual space for better or worse um but the this connection this this field that has been building since the internet uh, is indestructible but how do we we embodied individuals find a way to take all of that energy mm -hmm. and be able to stand still stand even though we can't physically stand shoulder to shoulder to stop and hopefully eliminate this foe and you were touching on the, this whole business of evil and this anti-life force and where did it come from and is it ultimately an expression of something in the human psyche or does it come from elsewhere mm. so my thoughts are that the thing itself comes from elsewhere so we can talk about that in a minute but the um capacity to be infected by it mm. is a personal individual human responsibility in other words if we as individuals do not confront our own personal shadow so so this is the difference between personal shadow your own sort of little nastiness and archetypal shadow okay an archetypal shadow is what i would relate to as evil the anti-life force so the degree to which one is unconscious of one's own shadow is the degree to which that shadow could leave the door open for archetypal shadow to come in and take up residence when that happens you have what we see these this bunch of criminal psychopaths hmm. that have basically taken over the world or at least they think they have and they have all the power and all the money it's the one ring to rule them all folks and so how do you become one of the nazgul well it, it's the lust for power so if you're mm. unaware of your own inklings to lust for power control or dominance in whatever small little ways you know over others then if you don't know you have that capacity and you're unconscious then you're likely to be tempted hmm. by the power shadow and if you're someone 
who has all the money they could possibly want or need ever. Like how many billions, <laughs> right? It's ridiculous. So who who are these people? How come they they are, you know, telling us what to do and where to go and they have it all? Like, what is that all about? Yeah. It's up to us to say no to that and to look inside and dig around and, okay, first of all, why, why would I submit to that? Big question. And is there little places in our own life where we just kind of go unconscious and don't take responsibility for, you know, whatever? It can be just very small things. Hmm. That's where the weakness lies where that power shadow can move in. I understand, but yeah. I would say that the, you know, the eye of Sauron is not human, but it preys on humans because we create. We are creative creatures, creative mm. beings, and that our creativity comes from the imaginal, from God life force of the universe, whatever you want to call it. So this predator preys on that because it is a force that cannot create anything Ooh. of its own. Now, that begs the question. Uh -huh. If it cannot create anything on its own, it's an external force or entity or whatever it might be, but it's like not a, human. Like a virus. Then what is it? Yeah. Because I know something that fits that explanation. Oh, yeah? What? Yeah. So it was actually something that uh, my guest the other day that we were just talking about said. Oh, yeah? Chad. Oh. He said AI will never oh, yes. have the ability to create. There you go. Bingo. That's it. Yeah. Yep. And that's something that we've always thought for a while is that whatever this is here on this planet, um, it definitely yep. is not human. That's right. Yeah. And David, it says this over and over and over again, uh -huh. is that it needs us for that creativity. It wants right. to harness and control our creativity. It and, sure does. And it's and hard it's for right going now. for it right now. Yep. And Aquarius rules technology. Uranus is the ruler of Aquarius. Uranus right now is in Taurus. Taurus is an earth sign. So this archetype, this is also the Promethean spirit, right? So this is this is the double-edged sword where the shadow can come in. Mm -hmm. So this access to what we might call artificial intelligence, if we know that it's there then we can be aware of it but just like other tools we can learn to use the enemy's tool against it right. but it's going to be really hard okay it's not this is not going to be easy this whole business but it is happening and and i think you're absolutely right ai is that thing that has been able to seep in bit by bit by bit. And through the other tools of psychological warfare, entice people, 
oh yeah put a chip in your brain you'll be so happy and you'll own nothing <laughs> so the whole one ring to rule them all is mm -hmm. moving in that direction but at the same time Aquarius is the Promethean spirit so humanity has to rise together say no we will not be taken yep. over by this um, but humanity first has to know <laughs> who the enemy is because right now it, it's still a lot of squabbling around on the ground not really understanding what is really preying on us yep i mean we do have to deal with the stuff on the ground no doubt about it the invasion of the borders and all of these things but if we if we the people had the larger understanding that there there is an anti-life force it's been called evil in certainly mm -hmm. christian mythology uh, it's called other things in other mythologies but it's always there <laughs> there's no no culture i don't think at least as far as I know, there are stories, there are myths that don't at some point say, hey, guess what? There's there's something. There's something coming. There, there's definitely something coming and there's definitely something here. Yes. And there has definitely been something affecting this planet for some time. Uh -huh. Now, you know, the and people you know we can go all over the place with what that is or what it might be and i know people have their different opinions and we can just call it evil or yeah. you call it anti-life because the things that it's doing the the result of its actions are anti-life in my and and how i observe it right. you know and it, it is obviously trying to harness various aspects of who we are and i think that the the biggest thing that has been hidden from humanity at least over the last hundred years and more so probably over the last 60 years is our ability to create mm -hmm. and, if and that's look connected at, to the pineal gland yep it, well then in, it's connected so it's our ability to create and then it's also the poisoning of our systems and our environments yeah to inhibit right any type of of spiritual interaction that could come about through your body through yeah. through purification processes mm -hmm. and you know i i look at kind of various different like very um recent movements for instance the vegan movement right yeah and um you know the vegan movement came around and how fast was that whole thing infiltrated by all of these people and all of these wholesome, good, natural foods yeah. swapped out with, with soy and, yeah. and, and all types of chemically treated artificial products. meat. Yeah. Ooh. The or organic foods became a, a process of government regulation to yeah. where they had to be, they could only be treated with these certain chemical products and you didn't have to report them. Yeah. Like it, it completely was hijacked faster than you could ever believe but then you had intermittent fasting that comes on the screen scene and how many of them did a counter narrative against it oh no that's bad for you you remember you used to get told that if you if you had three days without food and water you'd die mm -hmm. that's a load of crap it, that's not true mm -mm. It, that's absolutely not true and, and this these are the things that we're told to put yeah. fear into us 
to make us not do these things that open up our minds, allow us yeah. to detox that body and go, what the hell just happened for the last 30 years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Man. taking taking control of our immune system is the boundary, the border of our yep. physical body. So, of course, that would be under attack. I mean, the enemy knows where our vulnerabilities are, and they've been manipulating that the whole time. But the good news is their people are starting to wake up. I love this quote from Galadriel. She says, Darkness crept back into the forests of the world. Rumor grew of a shadow in the east, whispers of a nameless fear. And the ring of power perceived its time had come. Hmm. I think we're there. I think, I think we're, we're there. there. I think we're there. I think you're spot on, Loyalty. Mm -hmm. All right. That was a fast hour and a half. Oh, wow. We've been an hour and a half. Okay. Yes, that, that, well, that, was, that was great. Love guys, it. Guys, if you want to go visit Laura Lee, I've thrown the link in the chat. Uh, you can find that out there. I believe if you also go to redpills.tv. So if you go to redpills.tv slash Laura Lee, spelled L-O-R-A-L-E-E, -E, and that's for all my audio podcast listeners out there. If you go to redpills.tv slash L-O-R-A-L-E-E, -E, Laura Lee, that'll take you directly to Laura Lee's website where she's got tons of stuff on there and ways to contact her, get a hold of her, especially if you want to get one of those sessions because I highly recommend it for anybody who was uh, listening to this conversation and having their mind blown because every single time I listen to Laura Lee, it, that same thing happens to me. It's just- oh, um, Thank you. You're just a wealth of information and knowledge, and, and I absolutely love it. And I appreciate Laura Lee, and thank you so I much for joining us. I appreciate you too, Josh, and all your wonderful listeners. You know, thank you, everybody who's who you know stuck through this whole thing, and I hope it uh, lights the Promethean spark. Well, it's it's happening, and I think that uh, that's a beautiful thing. So. Much love, respect. God bless everybody. Take care. Have a great night. Uh, some of you guys will see you on the Fringe After Dark show. Everybody else, have a great night. All right. Bend the spoon. That's impossible. Only try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon.